morning. It is uh, especially joyous time of year where we get to celebrate our Savior's birth, which means so much uh, in, in a context where lots of people join in. And maybe they, they don't catch the importance of, of all of what's happening, but uh, there is uh, a, a general support for, for what God is, has done in the past and an openness uh, to, to name him and hear these the songs on the radio interspersed with other songs that aren't as edifying, but they're there, you know, and it's, 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 it's I just enjoy it. It's, it's, it's really a joyous time. Uh, so this is not the day of Christmas. This is the week before Christmas. So we're talking about expecting God's uh, deliverance. Now, the passage that we're going to be looking at is Luke chapter 2 which does occur after the birth of Christ. Uh, we're gonna look at this, the, the story of Simeon and Anna, but they had spent their lives expecting Christ. And uh, we're gonna look at, at, at what went into that and their uh, response when they met him. Uh, so I'm gonna start in reading Luke chapter two. Verse 25, let's just read the passage from verse 25 to verse 38. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was, was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Uh, <clears throat> Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now uh, dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Uh, the child's uh, father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I might have. I'm going to keep reading and... Uh, the slides will catch up. <clears throat> there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to redemption to the redemption of Jerusalem. So the temple in Jerusalem was the official location for matters of keeping the law of Moses. Certainly some people would have been at the temple keeping the law to, to bolster their own pride, but uh, that is also where you would have found people who were, who were genuine in their search for God's redemption. While God had brought a restoration from the Babylonian exile under Ezra and Nehemiah, and follow that up with, with many prophets who are writing. Uh, there hadn't really been a writing prophet for 400 years, and we refer to this as the, the, uh, the, the time of silence, the, uh, 
the silent years. And uh, for 400 years, they didn't have the same level of, of communication from God, where God was directing Israel's path through, through prophets who were writing uh, his scripture. Uh, and the faithful uh, Jews sought God's redemption, that, that promised consolation. Uh, the years of official silence were not without God's communication, however, to individuals. So even though there wasn't a writing prophet speaking for the nation, uh, there were individuals who had uh, <clears throat> that relationship with God and commu could communicate on an individual basis. So like Anna, this prophet, could communicate to people what was needed for their lives, not speaking to the whole nation. Uh, <clears throat> so these two, Simeon and Anna, had spent their lives devoted to a relationship with God by his word and his spirit. And they can show us how you must trust in God because he keeps his promise to deliver you. And just looking at the lives that we live, we are constantly, sorry, I'm just gonna, uh, the, the life that is before us is one of expecting God to deliver us. We're expecting God to deliver us if you've trusted in Christ as your Savior. We're expecting that that deliverance shows up in your eternity. Uh, we're also looking for Christ's coming even now. And so we, in a sense, are just like Simeon and Anna, not having the, the flesh and blood Christ in front of us to, to speak to us as the disciples did, but we have that hope, that hope that is ahead of us. And so we need to keep... Uh, <clears throat> hoping in God's deliverance, keep hoping in God's redemption, even though it's, it's not visible at this time. Uh, so I want to point out uh, the special relationship. We start with, with the, the uh, person of Simeon. Uh, you must <clears throat> trust God's spirit, uh, the spirit of God, to apply the word of God to your heart because God keeps his promise to deliver you. So Simeon had this walk with God. He was, he was going through his life, and he knew that God was going to send a redeemer. He knew that God was going to send a Messiah. This was throughout the scripture, and in a little bit we're going to look at th through some of those scriptures. Uh, God, uh, God had promised that he would send this, this redemption, this Messiah, this anointed one, and Simeon was expecting that. And he not only had the word of God that he was looking at that led him to that conclusion, the Holy Spirit worked in his heart and gave him a specific message that he wouldn't die until he saw the salvation of God. Now, that's, you know, what I want to describe is that there's a level of interaction with the Holy Spirit whereby the Holy Spirit communicates to you things that you need to know. And that's his ministry to us. And so I want to point out, first of all, that the word of God is alive and precise in stating what is true. In Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says, for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And Simeon took that step first. He was spent time in the scripture. He knew the word of God. He knew that, he knew to expect the Messiah. And he was, his hope was in that. So there, it falls to us to spend time in the word of God, to know what the expectations of God are, to know his commands, to know his precepts, to know, know about his character, to know about his intentions, so that we can better understand how to view our lives. Uh, 
That is, our, that is to be the Christian framework. We're supposed to look at the Bible and then look at the world and see how do I live my life based on what God has said. Now the thing is, once you look through the Bible there, it describes a lot of situations that we won't fall into. And that's because it's for all time, it's for all people. Uh, but also, it doesn't seem to get precise enough because you know God doesn't include in Scripture how to handle your Netflix account, or how to manage your time, or how to, you know which car to buy, you know which job to take. You know the, there are jobs existing now that didn't exist ten years ago, much less two thousand years ago. How do you decide which job to take, which course to follow? We need the Spirit of God applying the Word of God in our hearts. So the Spirit of God is your divine. Uh, paraclete is the, is the Greek word behind what, what we, we find in, in John chapter 14, uh, where it's translated advocate in the, old, in the King James Version, it's comforter. Uh, John 14, verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And in verse 16, uh, chapter 16, verses 12 through 15, it says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive that, uh, what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me that uh, what he will make known to you. So all God's word is true. It reveals God's actions towards others in the past, his intentions and character, so that you know how he will act in the present and his plans for the future. But knowing that God is all-powerful and loving does not mean you know how that will work out in any given situation. The Holy Spirit, who is God, dwells inside every child of God to communicate to us. Simeon had a keen sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's guidance and a knowledge of the scripture that led him to the conclusions about his own life. And if that example of that man could guide us, whereby we know the scripture and we have a keen sensitivity to what the spirit is telling us on a day-by-day -day basis, that would free us from a lot of, of worry that we bring about in life. When you can have the confidence that you know God's word and you know that you're doing what God wants, there are a lot of answers you won't have then, but you don't have to worry because you know you're following God. Um, <clears throat> and some people so emphasize the Holy Spirit that they, over, they open themselves to deception, is what I'm going to say, by focusing on, on the Holy Spirit and ignoring the Word of God in ways that the Word of God is very clear. And some people so focus on the Word of God, some Christians so focus on the Word of God, that they neglect the Holy Spirit and don't actually commune with Him, which He's supposed to, that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be, would be with us all. The communion of the Holy Spirit was was Paul's uh, benediction there. Uh, so that, that should be with us. Uh, the, there's an example um, I want to give of in uh, Genesis. Abraham has finally received the son, the promise, uh, Isaac. And after this boy is growing up and he's been confirmed, this is the one who... Uh, the promise will come through. This is, this is your, your, after, you know, he, Abraham's uh, well into his old age. He finally has the son, the promised son, with Sarah. This is the promised son. 
And God says, now sacrifice him. I want you to take him up and sacrifice him. And this, this is a conflict because God had very clearly said, in Isaac will your seed be called. This is the specific one. This is the one that I'm going to give you a blessing of nations. Uh, you'll be a blessing to all nations through this, this boy. But I want you to sacrifice him. So Abraham, we learn in, Genesis, or in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, uh, Abraham drew his own conclusions about what God would do because he knew the word of God was true and he knew God's character. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Uh, he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his own, one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that um, God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he received him back from the dead. So Abraham, I want to describe for you here the benefits of systematic theology, which is where we take all of what Scripture says about one thing and say that it's all through and, and make connections. And people will throw around things like, well, the word Trinity is in the Bible. No, but we find how God describes himself as, three, as one God and three persons. And so we come up with the word Trinity to describe what the Bible just, just mentions. And so, that's the, so Abraham here was doing systematic theology because he knew God's word. Now, it wasn't written down at that time. It was directly to him. And the word of God was, Isaac is how I will bring about your blessing. I want you to sacrifice Isaac. So Abraham said, God can do anything. He gave me this son. This son will be, be the promise. I'm supposed to kill him, sacrifice him. God must be going to be, raise him from the dead. That must be how God is going to, going to keep his promise because he can't break his promise. And that's, that's a, So Abraham came to that conclusion even though that's not what God was going to do. What God was going to do was stop him at the last moment after Abraham had demonstrated there was nothing he would help, hold back from God. So we should know God's word in, in a way that we can draw conclusions, just like Abraham did, just like Simeon did. Now there, are, um, <clears throat> but also we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit uh, in things that are very, very specific. And don't necessarily, I, like I said, they don't. The Word of God doesn't specify how to spend your time each day, but the Holy Spirit will. He'll take the Word of God and show it to you and say, "This is how you should think about." The way you're treating people. This is how you should think about the way you're treating your time. This is how you should think about the way you're treating your life. And so you should should listen to the Holy Spirit in those things. Now, uh, <clears throat> I want to use the example of the Great Commission, which is a command Jesus has given for all Christians that you should go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, that's that's the command that is before all Christians. And then it comes up. Well, who who like, do you literally have to go to every single... Well, you know you can't go to everyone. It's like, well, we're all supposed to go to everyone, so do I just go to everyone I see? And it gets... It, the answer is you follow the Holy Spirit into, as to who you're supposed to speak to on a day-by-day -day basis. It's not like you're going to go to the wrong person, but uh, <clears throat> the example of, of Philip in Acts, Philip had gone to Samaria. He was preaching the gospel. All of a sudden, multitudes are getting saved, Peter comes down and is preaching the gospel. And then angel of the Lord comes to Philip and says, now go into the desert 
Now you would think that with a specific prom uh, while obeying the specific uh, directive of, of the, the Son of God to preach the gospel, you shouldn't leave a place where lots of people are getting saved to go to a place where there's no people. But Philip rightly obeys the angel of the Lord and he goes to, into the desert and that's where he finds the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Ethiopian eunuch at that very moment is reading in the prophet Isaiah. And he asks, uh, who, who is this, this person speaking? Is, is the prophet speaking of himself or another man? And so Philip says, let me, let me explain it to you. And he shares with him about the truth about Jesus Christ. And this Ethiopian eunuch trusts Christ, gets baptized. And immediately Philip's taken back to where, where, he, where he needs to be by the Spirit of God. And that Ethiopian eunuch, as we understand, go, goes into, returns to Ethiopia and brings the gospel with him. Now, you and I couldn't plan that, and it doesn't make sense to us that you would redirect someone who's been useful from somewhere where they're being of, of use to, to hundreds and, you know, whoever's in that town, multitudes, and you send them into a desert place where there's nobody, and it turns out there is somebody, and that somebody is going to be the, the, the key, the linchpin for a whole area. But God will. And so if you listen to the Holy Spirit, you'll be part of that, that, that stream that, that flows, that, that he is, he's moving his plan. You need to follow him in that. So if you, if you know the word of God and you're obeying it and you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart, you can know specifically what to do, like Simeon did, what to expect about your direction, your expectations, your deliverance. So you must trust the Spirit in that way. Um, <clears throat> specifically I want to say like you know I, I don't know about you but there there are times I see so much need I don't know who to help and sometimes I withdraw and I don't help anyone because I'm so overwhelmed by well who do I help I don't have enough money to feed everyone I don't have enough time to help everyone with their problems I'm still recovering some of my own problems I'm still still trying to address some of my own financial issues you know I, how do I, well, if you follow the Holy Spirit and you know the Word of God, God can direct you, okay, this is the time to give some money. This is the time to give some time. This is the time to make a phone call. This is the time to, to uplift with that word of encouragement. And you can, you can know specifically what to do. So cultivate that. Let me encourage you to cultivate that, that relationship with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit so that you can expect God's deliverance in specific circumstances. Um, and in, in that vein, the, uh, the overwhelming uh, aspect of this passage is about God's deliverance. Now, if you were to start at the Old Testament without the New Testament, would you, most people didn't come to the conclusions of the life of Christ that happened. But looking back, it makes so much sense. Um, we have to see, like uh, uh, Simeon declared, that Jesus is salvation. I have seen your salvation. Jesus is the salvation. But not only that, he is, he is the revelation uh, to the nations and embodying, he's the glory of Israel. He's embodying Israel's purpose. Israel was set up, God chose Israel to produce Jesus. They were a, a, a nation to, to, to maintain the law. They were, they were, 
to, to cultivate a society where to show God's grace to the to the world. And it's not that that no other nation could know God. It's not that no other nation uh, could ha follow God and His precepts or, or have a relationship with Him. It's that Israel were especially chosen to to maintain the Word of God and to show what following God looked like. And they were ultimately to be the ones through whom Jesus would be born. Uh, so they they are special, and they still are special to God. Now they're set aside because they're not focusing on 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 uh, protecting his word the way uh, they used to. Uh, they've rejected Christ, but they're still special in his eyes. And don't don't vaunt ourselves, like Paul said, against Israel. But uh, <clears throat> just going through the the Old Testament, I'm going to pick just a few of the examples uh, for how you how you would see that, that Jesus was exactly who he was supposed to be, but you wouldn't necessarily get it ahead of time. Can you, uh, uh, when Abra uh, Adam had uh, eaten of the fruit and fallen, uh, Eve with him, uh, they, uh, God in the judgment gave the, what we call the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel, uh, when he said that, uh, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So Jesus would be born. The seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And that's what we're looking for in, uh, would also be the seed of Abraham. It would be uh, in Genesis 22. And though, and through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Uh, it will also be from Judah specifically, not just Isaac, Jacob, but also Judah. Uh, it will be uh, in Genesis 49, the scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nation shall be his. And it will be specifically of the offspring of David. Uh, when your days are over in 2 Samuel 7, 12, uh, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish your kingdom. He is the one who will build his, uh, a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of the kingdom of his kingdom forever. He would be a prophet, a prophet like Moses. The Lord, uh, Moses says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like unto, uh, like me from among you, your fellow, uh, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Uh, so he would be king, prophet, and he would be priest. I will, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That this, this promised deliverer of God would be prophet, priest, and king, born of a virgin. And uh, through the line of uh, Abraham, specifically David. And God then, uh, we have in Galatians 4. Do I have this here? The fullness of time. Uh, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Uh, <clears throat> it would be God with us, and it would also be the suffering servant. Uh, <clears throat> in Isaiah 7, uh, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel which we know means God with us. Now, how could it be God with us, uh, the son of David? Why would the Lord say unto, uh, what, 
the Lord say unto my Lord? Why would David say that? Why would David call his son Lord? That was the, the question Jesus posed to the Pharisees. And they, they were confused. And what I'm, what I'm trying to point out is there was a bit of confusion, a bit of a lack of clarity before all these things happened, before when you look back, you can see, oh, that makes sense. And that's what a lot of the Gospels point out for us, that it makes sense. With hindsight, the prophecies about Christ seem obvious, but it wasn't clear how a king would suffer. So, or how uh, David would call his offspring Lord. Simeon trusted God's deliverance, and everything came into focus when he saw Jesus. Perhaps you have not trusted Christ as your personal redemption. Perhaps you respect him and enjoy the celebration of his birth. You enjoy his teachings, but you've not depended on him to keep his promise to you personally, to cover the price of God's wrath against your sin. Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. But maybe you have already trusted Christ to deliver you from sin's penalty. Are, are you struggling with God's plan in your life right now? The circumstances you face might range from the mildly irritating to the absolutely heartbreaking. Can you trust that God loves you and knows the plans that he has for you? That they're not, they're not for your destruction, but are to give you an expected end. He has a count of the hairs of your head. He hasn't missed a detail in your life. He loves you, and everything in your life shows that. Even when it doesn't make sense to us, if you can trust his plan for redemption through the blood of his son, trust his plan for the goal of your life. It might not make sense now, but when, when, when we close the book, when we look back from eternity, the things that we struggle with, just like we look back on redemption and say, oh, well, that makes perfect sense that Christ would come in such a manner. It makes perfect sense that this would happen, unfold in my life right now. It doesn't make sense to me from this perspective, but when I look back, I will see it. And that is the confidence that you can have. So you need to keep trusting in Christ that he will deliver you. Not, not just in eternity with the redemption of your soul, but in the trials of life, that these things will either, he'll either take you out of them, he'll take you through them, or he'll turn them into gold on your behalf, that those, that those rewards will come. And it, it, it's impossible for me to, to say what that circumstance will be, look like in your life and what the outcome will be, but by you focusing on the Word of God and listening to the Holy Spirit, you can navigate that for yourself. So that's the encouragement I want you to have from uh, <clears throat> that life, the, the example of Simeon there. And lastly, uh, you must point others to trust, uh, to trust in God's deliverance because God keeps his promises, uh, his promise to deliver you. Anna had been at the temple longer than most of the people there had been alive. As a prophet, she would have been sought out by those looking for an answer from God particularly if you were looking for his coming Messiah. Her reputation and her relationships turned into an open door about sharing, uh, about sharing about the coming Messiah, Jesus. Your life and relationships should be a platform for someone else to hear the message of Jesus. And that's, that's what Anna spent her life doing. She was, as soon as she saw uh, the coming, uh, <coughs> she, she says, uh, Luke says, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. That's, that's what Anna did immediately. Simeon gives this declaration. Anna goes and tells people. That's what, the, that, what we should be involved in. There are people out there who need redemption, who are looking for good news. Um, there may, uh, I want to just remind you of the example. There are, there's a story uh, in Second Kings where uh, 
Samaria is under siege by the Syrians. What will we do? There's no food. Things were horrific. Uh, Elisha prophesies food will be so cheap, uh, you, you, you won't even believe how cheap food will be in a few days. And he was scoffed at by a ruler, and the guy said, and Elisha said, you'll look at it, but you won't taste it. And the guy did die. Uh, but in the midst of that story, God spooked the Syrians. They ran off and left all of their food behind them. And there are four lepers outside the gates of Samaria who couldn't go in the city. But they also didn't have food because no one had food in the city to give to them. And they said, what will we do? If we stay here, we die? We go to the Syrians, they might kill us, but they might feed us. So they went into the camp and found the camp absolutely empty. So naturally, they grabbed as much food as they could and a few spoils, and they went off and, and took them, and then they buried them, and it's like, well, we can get some more. And then they, and then they realized, um, they said, uh, I don't have the quote here. Uh, so then they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. We wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went, the four lepers went, and everyone from the city went out and, and feasted. They had food right away, going from famine to feast. Uh, and we, someone has said that the, uh, sharing the gospel is not that you're coming from a place of perfection, reaching out to a sinner. It's a one beggar showing another beggar where to get bread. And that's what we are. We, God has been gracious to us and shown us how to depend on Christ, that we need his salvation. You have an opportunity to show someone else where to get bread. Don't keep your mouth shut. You know, if you have these uh, opportunities uh, to speak of your redeem, uh, Redeemer to people looking for redemption, uh, you don't need to lean on your own understanding when figuring out who needs the good news. It, it may be someone that carries the consequences of their sin right out in public. Uh, but it could be someone whose life seems perfect and their hunger for God is shrouded by a satisfaction, an apparent satisfaction. Uh, since God has redeemed you, be ready to speak of your Redeemer, Jesus Christ. We have the example of these two people who, if anyone could have given up after 400 years of not having a speaking prophet, these people cultivated their own relationship. They were in the temple. They were looking for the salvation of the Lord. And there was Jesus. They immediately told other people. You have the opportunity. You have the relationship with God. Tell others. But don't give up trusting. If there's something, again, this is not just about salvation. If there's something that where you need a deliverance from God, you keep trusting in God. You, you can trust. You know the word. Listen to the spirit. You can have confidence in God. All right. Thank you, Joe.